2: This is a locker room production. All right, welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter live locker room Q and A. As you know, for those of you who have joined us in the past, we host a live locker room Q and A, a chance for us to kind of meet and greet some of the listeners of the Big Blue Banter podcast. A chance for us to chop it up, talk Giants football with everybody who's a fan of the show. But, you know, doesn't always get the opportunity or doesn't normally get the opportunity to share their opinions or to be heard. So this is the goal of this. We want you to be heard. We want to talk to you guys about Giants football and your thoughts on anything that's going on right now. It's all draft season. So that's what the show is going to be focused on, I'm sure. But we're here to talk all Giants football. So as we wait for others to gather and join in the room, I will note that it will be a solo show tonight. Nick will not be here tonight. He is busy at the moment and could not make it, missing his first locker room. So, hopefully, first of last for now, it is just going to be me tonight rocking the solo show. But until next week, that's what it's going to be. So, let's get our first speaker in tonight. It's our pal, buddy, friend of the show, one of the nicest guys that I've interacted with on the Twitter sphere, and that's Victor. What's going on tonight, Victor?
3: Hey, Dan. How are you? And did you just say "Nice" and "Twitter" in the same kidding. sentence? <laughs> it's very rare that you interact with
2: people on the Twitter sphere that are nice, but you know what you're one of them
3: man you You truly are so um I hate to say this. I wish Nick was there tonight because I would tell him it's Devontae. It's Devontae <laughs> Smith. It's Devontae Smith. Right. I will be
2: making sure that he listens to a recording of this. I mean, he's had it battered and, beater, battered and beaten, beaten into him at this point, how wrong he was. But
3: I'm going to make sure that he hears it one more time. Yeah, good, good for you. Hey, just a couple things. And I know one is an observation is, you know, looking at the uh, the Jets trade. And I know we're not talking Jets, but. That shows you what the value of a fourth-year quarterback who does not live up to their promise. So what could – you know, if Jones doesn't pan out, we're not getting a one for him. <laughs> you know, we 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 could get a two and a four and a six. Like, So the values drop quickly on quarterbacks with promise. That's just one thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. <laughs> and to be fair, it's a little bit of a different situation when it comes yeah. to – the situation with Darnold because he was entering the final year of his contract. It's a team option, but it's a big team option. So they're going to have to allocate a massive cap it toward Darnold. And that's pretty much unproven, at least to, from a success standpoint with the Panthers. They don't know for sure if he's going to be a yeah. uh, proficient quarterback for them. They don't really know anything going into it. They're taking a gamble one that I like personally, but they're taking a gamble. So I think that plays a role in it. Obviously you saw earlier in the off season, uh, Matthew Stafford was traded for a much larger haul. He's a much older quarterback, but a proven quarterback. But you're right. I mean, if Jones struggles or if the Giants look to move on from Jones this offseason, it's because they don't believe in him to be the long-term answer, just like the Jets all of a sudden did with Sam Darnold. So you're right. The leverage yeah. won't be there, and they shouldn't be expecting you know more than a second plus. But we'll we'll see. That's a long way to go, but it is a good point. I know some fans would be expecting a big haul, and I, I, I'm with you. I
3: wouldn't expect that at all. And last week, somebody threw out a kind of a fun question to you guys. And, and I was trying to think of one uh, for you. Here it is. So we know the quarterback's going to be gone. But if, you know, this is an upside down world. If it was an upside down world. If Justin Fields or Mac Jones fell to the Giants, Dan Schneider, General manager of the Giants, would you take either one of them?
1: Well, first of all, and I want
2: to make this clear, Victor, <laughs> my last name is prenu- pronounced Schneider. Schneider. I, I apologize. Mildly, and it's, I apologize. it's okay. I don't really care. But it is important to note because there are two Dan, Dan Schneiders out there, both horrendous, horrific people that I've been, unfortunately, mixed up with multiple times on Twitter. The first one is owner of the Washington football team. A guy oh, who God. Obviously, <laughs> well-documented what kind of – low life he is, and at least once or twice per year I'll get tweets directed right at me, tagging me, telling me to change the team name, telling me to do all these things with their franchise things I have no control of. But then, there's actually another Dan Schneider, but this one spells his last name similar to mine. Schneider doesn't, the owner, but this one spells his name similar to mine, but with a D. And he was like the old Nickelodeon producer or something. He was like showrunner for Nickelodeon back in the day, and he's apparently this awful person that has like foot fetishes and Sexual harassment cases at Nickelodeon with the kids. There's all sorts of bad stuff going on with him, and people still mix me up occasionally for them on Twitter. So I do need to make it clear there is no D in the name. But to answer your question, Victor, it's a great question. I've said before, and I'll say it again quarterback is a position I would be very aggressive with. I will, will it's going to sound.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all That's Indeed.com slash blue BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Like a cop out, but it's true. Because the Giants weren't in position to draft a quarterback in my mind, they never had any chance to do it in this class. And because of time constraints with my job and with the podcast, we had to focus on prospects who the Giants might actually draft. I didn't have a chance to really dive deep into any of these quarterbacks with the exception of Zach Wilson, a player who I – to you know to you know I'm a big fan of obviously anyone knows this who follows me on Twitter I believe in arm talent and I believe he's got that so I didn't really have a chance to evaluate Mac Jones or Dustin Fields so just I just for I fun top out, but I, I can't tell you that answer without having a full evaluation of either of those
3: Okay well thanks Dan have a great Hopefully that interview. was fair Yeah no problem thank you for joining us.
1: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
2: All right. Let me take a look at who's next here. It looks like we got three requests coming in. Anthony Zaro is next. Are you there with us, Anthony? Yeah. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, Ant? Anthony or Ant? What, what do you want to be called? Uh, Anthony's cool. All right. Good. Because you never know with Anthony and Ant. Sometimes it's Tony.
3: You just yeah, don't Tony. Know.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, so I've got a few questions here. Um Yeah, so I started watching the podcast uh like last year, like when the quarantine like first kinda of started there. Hey. So, you know, I was bored on my tree and I came across the podcast. I just want to say you guys do great work and you know, it really cures my boredom sometimes. So I appreciate that. Dude,
2: I really appreciate that. And if you don't mind me asking, because we're always looking for information on this so we can kind of better fit we we, we believe in our minds that we do put out a pretty good uh, Giants podcast. No, not to sound you know conceited or whatnot, but and we'd like to just reach more people. We in our minds, we believe there's a lot of Giants fans who would want to hear this content, but they just don't know about it. So let me just ask you, how did you find the, the show? Um, well, I'm am actually from
4: Canada. Hey, so I don't nice. like, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of the CFL here, but uh, like you know, I fell in love with the Giants like like simple thirteen years ago. So. Uh, you know, I was just bored and I kind of searched up like New York Giants podcast on Spotify and then, and, and then I found that I've been listening like ever since. Hey, so, um, awesome. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say you guys do a very good job. Like your analysis is like super in depth and stuff. And yeah, I really appreciate it. I've, I've told all my friends like, you know, who are, who are NFL fans or Giants fans or guys who just want good, like evaluation of draft of draft prospects to check you guys out. So. Yeah, I would just keep doing, you know, just keep doing the stuff you're doing. And, yeah, it's awesome. Really appreciate it, Anthony. Yeah, uh, no problem. So I've got uh, three questions here. Um, The first one is, so the Giants are kind of stacked for tight ends right now, hey? Um, And especially with, like, the money they're paying Kyle Rudolph, um, I don't think he's being paid that much money to, you know, take a secondary role, in my opinion. And, you know, with Caden Smith still on his rookie deal, Giants just restructured Toy Lolo um like do you see a possibility of Evan Ingram getting traded on draft night for like a fourth or a fifth round pick or something like that
2: yeah it's a great question I mean it's there's so much going around when it comes to Evan Ingram there's been rumors that he could be traded to the Bills there's been rumors that he could be traded to the Jets there's been discussions from Joe Judge to the public that they believe in Evan Ingram. He's a hard worker. They love him, and they believe he's part of the future. So it really depends what you want to believe of when it comes to all of that. What I would believe here is that he's still a player who hasn't been extended by the Giants. He's still a player who remains, for the most part, a liability as an inline blocker. He tries hard. He has a few really good reps occasionally on, on tape as far as the blocking goes, and he's learning the concepts. Like He's become more well-versed in what they want to do and what they ask from him in the blocking game. But that frame, it's it's really it holds him back from, in my mind, ever being an inline tight end. So what do you make of him? Is he someone who can detach from the from the formation and become a mismatch on every play? Honestly, it doesn't look like it to me. We now have a lot of data on him. I mean, we have four years of film on Evan Ingram and yet he's not simply creating that much separation on those pivot routes on those 90 degree cuts on those in breaking routes and even on those outbreaking routes. What he is, is a guy who has a really good second gear. If you can get him the ball after the catch. And he's a guy who theoretically has really good vertical speed. Uh, but the giants haven't done a great job in my mind of maximizing that. And I'm not sure they are the team who can do it uh, for a variety of reasons. The system, the quarterback. Lot- <laughs> yeah. And, and And, and, and more than that, that goes into it. So for me, I, I would tend to believe he can be traded, and it would ultimately depend mostly on you know if they are in the market for Kyle Pitts, who I don't think will be there, or Pat Fryermuth, someone like that in, in round two who I really like, a guy who I think can be that in-line tight end that they've been looking for, that Jason Garrett would love to have on the roster. But if they don't end up taking any of those players, which is still a likelihood in my mind, I, I don't think they'll really come out of this class with either of those two. I still think he'll be on the roster come day one because they have him under team control pretty cheap. And there's at this point, unless you're going to get a third round pick, it's real. even a fourth seems like at this point, you'd rather have the Ingram on the roster just for the upside of the potential of what he can do in the offense in space and, or if they can find a better way to use him.
4: Yeah, true. I think, I think his first year kind of got all giants fans excited. Hey, and you know, just, just kind of foaming at the mouth of, you know, with him, but you know, it's been like kind of downhill from, you know, then with, like, injuries and stuff and, you know, and that, and obviously that Philly game, which, yeah. which we won't talk about. But <laughs> um, so my next question is, uh, so I, I think, like, Gettleman, I think his, like, I think his best ability is to draft is, like, with, with, you know, his late round dart throw draft picks. Like last year, you know, guys like Coughlin, mm-hmm. uh, Crowder, you know, guys like that can kind of come in and make the team better initially. So, like, if you could give me like one or two like late round draft targets that you and Nick have been uh that you and Nick have been studying that you think could come in and help the Giants
2: like immediately I don't want to give too many away. I'll be honest with you, Anthony because we are planning to do content surrounding it just before the draft, and we kind of want to save it for that. but I will say one a few players that that you know will be on that type of podcast, that type of content, but do come immediately to mind. The first one's Josh Palmer, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. I absolutely love his tape, I think he's in my mind probably the most underrated prospect at any position in this entire class i think he can get open vertically really well i think more importantly he has this trait that nobody talks about really when you evaluate receivers i never hear this trait talked about enough and it's deep ball tracking Nobody talks about tracking, but tracking is super important. Tracking is why Deshaun, uh, I'm sorry, Deshaun Jackson was one of the better deep ball receivers for a large part of his career until the injuries kept crept up. It was not the speed; a lot of guys had Deshaun Jackson's speed, but it was the deep ball tracking. And I think Palmer does a really good job of that. I think there's a few few game films that you'll see from from Palmer where you're just like, oh my god, this kid looks unbelievable out there. He's beating top corners in this draft, like players in the SEC that you're going to hear called on day one and maybe day two. So I like him a lot. As far as the receivers go, there's a few others I like a lot. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset is a player. Me and Nick, I've seen a lot of. uh, He's an Iowa player. We both watch a lot of Big Ten. He's a player who's kind of like a, almost like a poor man's Elijah Moore type, that type of receiver, that little slot with speed and juice after the catch. He's a player I got my eye on as well. Shaka Tony is a player from Penn State. I, I talk about Tony, and it's like, I'm watching Jason Oa. I'm watching... Micah Parsons when I'm watching Penn State and then I always see Shaka making plays and then he follows that up with a really good pro day testing really well and I'm like why is this guy talked about as a fourth fifth rounder I guess it's because of the size which is definitely a concern but in Patrick Graham's system you've seen undersized guys at that second level and you know not and more uniquely sized guys I guess would be the right way to say guys who don't fit every system or guys who don't have the prototypical builds work really early there so those would just be a few names probably for the rest of them we'll save it for later content
4: okay awesome thanks uh so i guess this one's kind of also related to the draft my last one um so if we don't get uh if we don't get a uh, penne from oregon or slater uh you know the first round um i like like i doubt we're gonna get suwell unless he gets laramie tunseld I, I doubt we're gonna get Suell. slater i think is a chance but I don't know, I think Dallas might have their eyes on them. Uh, Like, what linemen do you think we can get to make this offensive line instantly better? Because, you know, I don't... Like, I'm not saying I'm against drafting a guy like Shane Lemieux or, you know, guys like that, but I think the Giants now, especially with Jones and his, you know, and his kind of prove-it year, I think the Giants need a lineman who can come in and make the team, you know, better instantly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You know how I feel about the offensive line. I feel like... It is the one factor that could hold them back this year because I do think Daniel Jones is going to take a step forward in the second year in this system. And just based on what we, saw, me and Nick saw on film, he showed big time improvement before the injury in that second half. And obviously now he has more weapons. But again, if that offensive line is bad, there's just no chance. There's never a chance. You saw it again. You saw it with the Chiefs against the Bucks. But as far as your question goes. I do actually think it's a really nice, nicely set up draft to the point where there are going to be immediate starter immediate potential starter guys available to them with that forty second pick in the second round. Some guys that me and Nick have our eye on Landon Dickerson from Alabama. I mean yes, he's coming off the aCL and yes he's had a slew of injuries, but on the field he's just dominant, he would just immediately in my mind give them an upgrade at either guard spot. I really like Alex Leatherwood, who's also from Alabama, who played tackle out there. I don't think he can play tackle. All the concerns I see with Leatherwood, who, by the way, was talked about in Ballyhood as a potential top 10 pick last year, if he were to come out, and he didn't. But all the concerns I see more so deal with how he is on an island in pass production. So if you kick a guy like that inside the guard, I think that kind of erases a lot of those concerns. And everybody talks about, you know, the upside of a Rashawn Slater because he can play guard or tackle for the Giants. I think Leatherwood's a similar situation. Started his career at Alabama at the guard position, then kind of converted out there to tackle, and did really well in both spots. So he's another guy I have my eye on. Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame is another guy I think you can place right in on that interior, and he'd be a starter from day one. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. There's actually a lot of guys on that second day that will be there for them, if they are looking to go in that direction. But ultimately, even if they don't, I would argue that they should take one no matter what. On day three, even if it's more of a Lemieux type, I really do believe in the importance of building out depth and giving, and more importantly, providing competition year after year on that offensive line. So nobody rests on their laurels. Everyone's competing to keep or earn their spot, and there's depth in case of injuries. Nobody's talking about injuries, but if Giants somehow come out of this draft without drafting a single offensive lineman, you better hope to hell those guys stay healthy because they don't have any <laughs> backup options at any of those spots, really
4: yeah for sure yeah yeah um uh, how about how about that cleveland guy uh like ben cleveland
2: i i think his name is yeah i i'll be honest with you i haven't dove dove into him much at all i know he's getting some buzz now i know nick actually hasn't as well that's a guy we have on our list potentially if we can get to him but i'll be honest as of right now again might sound like a cop-out but without having done a good a strong evaluation of him i'm not going to comment on him
4: Okay. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's all I had. I'll let some other guys come in here now to ask some questions. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Nice
2: to meet you, Anthony. Thanks for joining us, Nice to meet us, you, bro. too. All right. Looks like Notorious V.I.G. was next on the list. And then Todd and Mike. Let's go to Notorious V.I.G. first. What's going on, man?
5: Hey, Dan. How's it going? How you doing, bro? Good, good. All right. So, you're just in Vegas. Um, let's play uh, some stupid over-unders. All
2: right. I right. like it.
5: Uh, Rashawn Slater, 10 and a
2: half. Is that what he, are these the actual overrunners or these are no, some that you no, create?
5: I'm I'm the, I'm the VIG. I'm
2: the VIG. I like it. I like, that's what that stands for. I'm a huge fan of that. The VIG is, <laughs> the VIG is important in life, no matter what you're doing. Um, and as, 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 uh, what's his name once said, Edward Norton once said, women, the rake of life. But, um, in this scenario <laughs> with Rashawn Slater, we'll talk about. Ten and a half. I'm going to go – this is a tough one for me. I'm going to go with the under. I think he's going to go with the Panthers.
5: Okay. Uh, Micah Parsons, 18 and a half.
2: Whoa, 18 and a half. Wow. I thought you were going to say something like 12 and a half. 18 and a half is just too high. I'm going to go with the under there. That's just a lot
5: a lot of talk about his
2: character. No, there I are.
5: Have, I, if you said 12 and a half, I would have went over, but at 18 and a half, I, I'm okay. There. Uh, number of, what are we, 43 in the second round?
2: 42. Though that's changed by the day, but I think it is locked. In at 42. <laughs> okay.
5: Um, number of offensive tackles taken before, not Oof. offensive linemen, offensive linemen taken before uh, 42. I'm going to set it at seven and a half. All offensive linemen?
2: Yeah. All right, let's see. I think that the four tackles that will definitely go before that pick are going to be Slater, Sewell, um, Darasaw, and um, and Jenkins for sure. Lock those in. I think via Tucker's a lock, that's five. What did you give me, seven and a half? Yep. Yeah. And then I think there's going to be enough teams that are, ah, seven and a half is close. That's going to be super close. I think I'm actually going to take the under there. I think it will be right around seven, six
5: or seven. All five. right. All right. We might get a decent guy in a second. Uh, okay. And Devonta Smith. Ooh. 11 and a half.
2: 11 and a half. Oh, no. oh, 11 and a half. Under, under for sure. I think if, if he's, it, he's it. there, that he'll be the Giants pick. I, I, that was been okay. my prediction since January, so I'm going to stick okay. with it. All right. That was a layup. All right,
5: <laughs> good stuff. Actually, I think um, he's going to go to the Dolphins.
2: To be honest, I think he's going to surprise people and be the first receiver off the board, which nobody's really predicting right now.
5: Okay, Chase ten and a half.
2: Chase under. Come on.
5: <laughs> okay, Waddle. Waddle ten and a half. Give me the over on that. Okay. Um, have you? Uh, so you, you guys are just doing your work. Have you uh, dived into Trey Smith at all, guard Tennessee? I, I
2: haven't, but Nick has, and he hates trey smith so we're not really? even doing it. we didn't do it we decided to not even do a profile on him because we thought it would be too negative there's no point in putting out like a negative draft profile i know nick is not a fan of trey smith at all interesting all right good stuff good stuff he's all right balance yeah. too much on tape and thinks he's going to be kind of the next uh what was that kid who busted from from georgia last year will, will hernandez
5: No, no, not with him.
2: kid of the Titans, I'm blanking on his name, but yeah, one of those. Uh,
5: Isaiah, Isaiah. Yes, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, All right. Good stuff, man. Let others go.
2: Yep. Thanks for joining, man. Joe. All right. We got Todd coming on next. Now, Todd, how you doing, bro? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How are you guys tonight? Good. Well, actually, it's just me tonight because Nick actually couldn't make it. Oh,
6: I'm sorry to hear that. I missed like literally the first two minutes uh, eating my delicious avocados. Um, they, look my, so, uh, they look real yeah. fresh tonight, actually. Listen, uh, Wegmans. I live up here in Rochester, New York, the headquarters of Wegmans, which I'm sure you guys have done by you. But the fact that we can get fresh avocados in April in in upstate New York is a, a an act of God. So I do <laughs> love me some fresh avocados. Um, I can tell, man. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, my question was this, and I actually put this in on a review. So if you've already answered this on a podcast that's yet to drop, um, I'm happy to wait for the podcast. But it's really along the depth in the draft as you guys go through your evals. Uh the last couple of years I really feel like this is where you guys do your best work and I learn the most uh, just listening to your player profiles. But um I'm kind of paranoid like you are Dean, about the O-line, I'm not really comfortable with the way that it's shaping up here this year. Uh and given uh your your evals, I guess my question is this, do you feel like at the top end of the draft where the Giants are picking at eleven? That drop off into the later rounds, they'd be better off, uh, you know, waiting to get some interior offensive line help or waiting to pick up a wide receiver uh, to help out Daniel Jones uh, in, in later rounds. So I guess my question is the depth of the draft for the O-line positions versus the wide receiver positions. Where do you think we'd be best uh, situated to go to pick up help at both spots if Gettleman went that route? Which is it's a big
2: a it's a great question, Todd, and I totally understand it. And and the, the, the blanket answer, the, the you know, the answer in a vacuum would be that wide receivers quite clearly more deep than than offensive guard or sorry, interior offensive line or in my mind, any single position in this draft class. And I don't think that's really even debatable. But I think what you really have to ask yourself is do you want to fill out a roster that way by looking at it like a fantasy draft where, you know, you're going to take this quarterback later because that position is deep or something versus a different position like a running back? Or do you want to look at it like we have top 11 picks and there will be minimum three quarterbacks, likely four, maybe five quarterbacks selected before the Giants pick. So there's a chance they can get one of the five or six or seven best players regardless of position. At that spot. Now, I wouldn't make that case for a running back ever. And I wouldn't make that case for a defensive tackle who can't consistently rush the passer is not, you know, an Aaron Donald or Leonard Williams type. But for every other position, especially the ones that impact the passing game the most, I would make the argument that your number one focus should be getting one of those best players in the class because there's so many busts, even in the first round, the draft is such a damn crapshoot, man. There's gonna be the next the thirty two guys that are taken, every single team's going to be thrilled they got one of those thirty two, and yet so few of them are actually going to turn out to be really good NFL players. So just looking at that, with the chance to get one of those five, six, seven best players in the class, I'm taking that and I'm putting position scarcity behind me, just based on how far up I am in the draft and how many quarterbacks are likely to go before my
6: pick. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how these quarterback dominoes fall and who gets pushed down to us at eleven. And it's interesting, I'm a slightly older than you guys, so having grown up with the Eli Manning experience from day one and the prior regimes, basically, in my opinion, they squandered the back half of Eli's career by neglecting the line. I don't. I still don't understand how you can take a statue like Eli and leave him unprotected uh, with the tackles they left him with. <laughs> as you guys have talked about, ad nauseum. Um, I think that's GM malpractice. So I'm kind of I, I, – but I'm just paranoid. That's still so fresh in all of our experience as Giants fans – um I just don't want to see this whole thing blown up because things don't pan out, and we've placed too much faith on a fifth round pick and a third round pick um, at guard and Tackle and a uh, will Hernandez who really hasn't you know done too much here lately since his rookie year, so i don't know it'll be exciting to see what they do i can't wait, yeah, I mean listen, Todd, we share those same concerns me,
2: you Nick, we all have those concerns we're not there are I'm sure there are some Giants podcasts or Giants content people who are just all in. On filling the skill positions out, but we've all been through it. We've seen it. We know enough. I do. I will say that on the flip side to that, at least Daniel Jones is a little bit of a different prospect from Eli in the sense that because of his mobility, if you were ever able to find, like for me, if you had if you had Kyle Shanahan right now as the Giants coach, and I huh. and I love Judge, so I'm not taking anything away from him, but if you had Kyle exactly. Shanahan as the Giants coach, Jones would be so more so much more effective in Kyle Shanahan's system, getting him on the move sometimes, having those design plays where just off play action he can really hit that back foot and just let the ball rip out there just more easily to find, I guess reads for him I, I really I really hated to watch Jones and Garrett's system like you watch Jones in Garrett's system versus Shermer's system and it's like night uh, and day how much more quarterback painful. friendly Pat Schirmer's system was but hopefully that changes obviously and and like you said yeah. I do think you were right. It was malpractice. Eli Manning never needed receivers. What he needed was an offensive line. He could make it work with any receivers, especially earlier in his career before he went to that McAdoo system. And I, I still believe that kind of screwed up his mental processing for good because it changed the way he saw the field. And Gilbride's system was just totally night and day there. So ultimately, I guess, long story short, I would say I'm a little less concerned about a battle or a mediocre O line for Jones, but it has to get to at worst middling if the Giants won any chance.
6: Yeah, if we could get to league average, I think we'd be in good shape. I'm really good sure shape, up, actually. Yep. Cool. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, Dan.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. All okay. right, or me, I guess tonight. All right, Mike's up next. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? Hey, what's up, Dan? What's up, man? Oh, man, I can't, can't,
7: can't, can't complain. I just listened to um, your podcast
1: from last week.
2: Um, Sorry, you're cutting out there, Mike. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Uh, a little bit better. There's like some kind of crinkling noise in the background.
7: Oh, sorry, that might be my fan. Give me one second.
2: Yeah, it's all good. You're actually sounding a lot better now. Um, and it seems like, it, I thought ultimately you were eating a bag of chips, which was going <laughs> to be a trigger for somebody like Nick, but thank God he's not here <laughs> tonight. Sorry about that. No, I
7: was just saying I had listened to your podcast from uh, the 8th uh, with John uh, Ledyard or Leadbetter. I forget. Ledyard, name. yep. Yeah, and... Uh, that was the first time I had heard about the whole deep ball tracking, like you had talked about a little bit earlier. And like that really like resounded with me because I started to think back to like some of our receivers that we've had in the past that were able to go and get the ball deep. And it just ultimately is one of those things that you don't really think about. And I, my question was is how do you feel that this wide receiving core can, in the draft, sorry, this wide receiving core in the draft, like, do that. Like, for me, I thought Beckham did that really, really well. I know that's a sore spot for a lot of us fans here. But, like, I look at, like, I look at every receiver and I think to myself, like, okay, can this guy potentially be like 13 was? Because, to be honest with you, for for Giants fans, in recent memory, like, he stepped onto the scene and was, like, electric, like, Absolutely, like lightning in a bottle. And I look at like guys like Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith and Jalen uh, Waddle and even Rashad Bateman to a degree. And I'm like, can they step onto the field day one? You know, potentially move Slayton to uh, a smaller role and you know really really juice the offense. Like I looked at C.D. Lamb last year, and I'm like, wow, he really does make. The Cowboys a lot better, you know what I mean? Now, granted, the Cowboys are they they're stacked at receiver, but like I look at us and I'm like, well, they're in our division, so we have to be able to match fire with fire. Like for me, I don't necessarily know if receiver is our best bet at 11, um, <laughs> because <laughs> because I look at it, I look at it like if Blake Martinez goes down, who's your middle linebacker then?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. The question kind of beats uh, Just to answer your question, I think I'm going to get to where you uh, were, were pointing to there, Mike. I think what you're saying is can anybody step on the scene like an Odell Beckham? But I would say this. There's so many factors. For If you can beat Odell Beckham in year one. First of all, what Beckham did in year one is insane when you consider he got injured in early training camp and couldn't actually practice and get the reps down with Eli and then was injured through the first four weeks and then was immediately amazing. But I think what's important about the Beckham thing, and this gets lost a lot on a lot of people in my mind in the industry is that Eli Manning played a really big role in why Beckham was so good. No one's going to believe that. No one's going to give him credit. But Eli Manning still had a lot of drive and velocity on his passes in those in those 2014 through 2017 years. And the timing between those two was excellent. They developed a really good rapport. And within the offensive system they were running with McAdoo, they had really great timing. They, and, and between the timing of the passing game and Eli's velocity, and obviously Beckham's ability to... Be the exact answer to what Eli needed. What did Eli always need? Well, Eli threw a tall Eli threw a tall ball. When he missed accuracy wise, it was always high. That's perfect for a player like Beckham. So there are so many factors. Like you, you mentioned, Lamb. Well, Lamb had the benefit of playing in the slot and getting zone coverage the entire season because he's in the slot and having Amari Cooper and Gallup on the outside. And then you look at Justin Jefferson. He was kind of Beckham-esque in the sense that he was just right burst onto the scene despite missing training camp on the COVID list, not getting many reps in you could tell he was a special talent. But then you got Henry Ruggs, and you got Jerry Judy. So I don't think the hit rate is going to be 100% there, and there's so many factors that come into play. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, if they draft Devontae Smith or if they draft Jalen Waddle, he's immediately going to be an Odell Beckham type. But I do think these are special talents with the ability to potentially get there. And then my last question is, Is
7: everybody's saying to trade back at 11. Um, how would you feel about staying at 11 but moving back at 42.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, Mike, but I actually just wrote an article that I published on CBS Sports yesterday where I did a five-step plan for what would be a perfect Giants draft. for me. This would be my version of a perfect Giants draft. And step two was trade back at 42. I'm actually more interested now in trading back at 42 than at 11. At 11... I want to take a blue-chip guy. I want one of the best players in the class. Those right. no three quarterbacks, maybe four or five, are coming off the board, so I'm taking one of the blue-chips. But at 42, I think that's a really, really good spot. Potentially, I mean, it depends. If there's an unreal offensive lineman on the board, it might be tough to pass on based on the value. Same goes for the edge. Like if Jason Ola drops, it's going to be tough. But that's the prime spot for me because that's how they pick up more day three picks. And like I said in the article, the reason last year was such a success – when it comes to those day three picks is not because they just well, out themselves from the previous years of the Gettleman and Reese errors or whatnot. It's because they had more chances. They had six picks on day three. So they were able to miss on some like Williamson, who you know, you, know, you don't hear about now he's on the Falcons practice squad and then hit on others like Shane Lemieux and take out. Right. So I think that's a similar scenario right now. They, they have 80 picks in between picks right now from when they pick on uh, round four to when they pick in round six there's 80 picks to go that's way too big of a gap and they only have i believe three picks on day two or it might only be two picks Uh, i'm sorry on day three two or three picks i have three picks so they need to they need to pick up more picks there so i think that's the best way to do it Uh, that or trade in evidence and lastly dan real
7: quick and i'll take this I'll, i'll take this like after i hang out so when you talk about picking and making the right picks, didn't Gettleman go back and revamp like the way scouts graded their players at at with the Giants? Yeah, or right am I making of. that up?
2: No, you're not making it up. When he came over from Carolina, he said that when he, during his time in Carolina, okay, right? he came up with a new system for evaluating prospects and creating a draft board in Carolina and that was different from what he had learned with the Giants during his time there obviously he was never GM with the Giants but he was with them during the course years in a pretty important role so I believe VP of player personnel potentially or something in that range so yeah he did say he did that and I think it's shown I mean look they've revamped what they're looking for on defense I think on defense the Giants are more are closer to where the league is moving than they are anywhere else. They're looking for the right guys you want at the second level, guys who can cover, guys who can pass the rusher, guys who can impact the pass, the Tay Crowder types. And and they're understanding the importance of corners and how important coverage is these days because quarterbacks are getting rid of the football so much faster and because you can't actually really do much as a corner without getting penalized. So I think they're moving in the right direction there. But yes, to answer your question, he has revamped that draft board. All right, let's get to Andrew Burke, who's next in the queue, because we're running low on time. Andrew, how you doing? Thanks for being patient. You there, Andrew?
8: Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, man. First time, long time.
2: Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to meet you, man.
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before you probably asked me, I, I found you guys about like three years ago on uh, Twitter, and I've been a, uh, a listener since the uh, Turchin days, so oh, good nice. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so my question for you was: Are you doing a uh, a Darisaw podcast soon? Because you know I've been reading a lot, and he's kind of you know jumping up a uh, you know mock draft there.
2: Yeah, we were looking at that. We it's going to be time dependent because with Darisaw, we we just, we were going to do Darisaw or Jenkins because we we want to kind of transition now to other types of stuff. Like we want to do a full seven round Giants mock draft. We want to do more discussion around the the picks they have, that type of stuff. Day two targets. So. We'll see where we're at. Uh, it's definitely on the radars, potentially. We kind of went Jenkins or Darisal. We felt like Jenkins has a better chance of being a Giant just because in my mind, Darasol is going to come off the board before Jenkins, and I just think he's going to come in a range where the only way the Giants would ever draft him is if they trade
3: back.
2: Not, yeah. Or potentially if they trade back up from 42.
8: You you, you don't think ever Eleven?
2: Uh no I don't think he's in there uh, in at eleven no. It's okay. Hey I, mean, guys, I, I only I only asked because um. Good. Was um,
8: yeah, I've been know. seeing okay. like you know on, uh I think on CBS like CBS Sports yeah, and all good that boy. Like, good boy, they've Arch. been putting Come him on. over um. Let's go, bud. Come on. Like Tucker oh, and okay. Slater
2: like some some okay. you know, some analysts have him there. I, I I'm losing you right there Andrew because it looks sounds like you got something going on in the background maybe. Yeah yeah I'm
8: trying to fight through that.
2: So what was your question Andrew?
8: Oh, um, I was saying like I've been I've been reading a lot of like uh, a lot of articles Like, a lot of analysts have them have uh Darisa over like Slater and uh and okay, Barrett Tucker and just just because of his length, you know, and like uh, you know how got him in likes like six five guys with the long arms. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. Darosaw
2: is a great prospect. I like him a lot. I think ultimately he'll go in that top 15ish range. I just don't see him in the Giants' plans personally. I don't even like if you ask me. I don't think the Giants are going to really be all that interested. In Slater or Sewell. these are guys I would like them to take, but I think from everything I've read and from things I'm hearing, they really want to give Parrett a chance to just be that guy. So I, I am ultimately don't. I think they're either going to go edge or receiver in that first round.
8: Um, I agree. I'm, I'm with you there. I just wanted, I just wanted to just get your thoughts on the, on Darius But thanks yeah, for taking my call. Yeah, good At, Yeah, no. Yeah, thanks, no doubt. Um, I got to come back with uh, Nickson, so yeah. Just for to for me sure. for next join week.
2: Us, join us next week. N- nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. Thanks. All right. Let's get Dom in here, and then it looks like we'll be, have to wrap it up after there. We might actually have time for one more after Dom, so let's see. If you do want to jump in and join the show, hit request to speak. I know there was someone earlier who said hope- Alex wanted to talk, but uh, just hit it, and we'll see if we have time. But right now, what's going on, Dom?
9: Hey. Hey, what's going on, Dan? Uh, how you doing? It's nice to speak to you again. My uh, question is how – how um, – on point, do you think that Kim Jones is on the Giants' beat at this point? Do you think she knows what she's talking
2: about? Uh, and as far as all these beats go, I, I, and as far as you know, how on point are these beats during the this time of the year, right? Late air, I'm sorry, early April, right before the draft. Again, this anything I hear around this time, Dom, I'm taking with a grain of salt because I know there are teams putting out misinformation on purpose. I know there are teams leaking information because they can't keep it inside, and that goes into play. So. In, in relation to what I would I would ask you, Dom. Well, she um she tweeted a little a little while ago that she
9: uh she has six six players that the Giants are considering. It seems like it's a pretty wide wide ranging thing. She has Ojulari, Parsons, Quinterpay, Slater, Sertan, and Waddle. But then then she then she highlighted among, which means there could be more. So I really don't even know how how juicy that is anyway.
2: I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's like a Jordan Ronan report, right? Yeah. 17 different people.
9: Yeah. I mean, wouldn't they, I mean, wouldn't they at this point (laughs) have it down a a little bit more narrow than that at this point?
2: Uh, I would say that at this point, I mean, it seems unlikely they're just, that she has a source of telling them her, their exact big board. Uh, I would, as far as, is it more narrow at this point? Yeah, I would think so for sure, but I'm sure they have different scenarios, you know, where they're talking about if we trade back, to this spot. We'll take this type of player. If we trade back to that spot, if we stay at 11, if this guy goes before us, if this many quarterbacks go before us, and things of that nature. So, it, it, to me, I do think it is still fluid at this point, but yeah, I would imagine it's a little more narrow than, than what you just described. And do you think that do you think that if the Giants draft a wide receiver, that, that Darius Slayton gets buried? If the Giants draft a wide receiver, will Darius Slayton get buried? Um... That's a good question. I mean, I think they'll probably, I mean, even last year, let's say, for example, they you still saw some snaps for guys like Austin Mack, Dante Pettis, and even CJ Board at times really found a way onto the field. I think if they do draft a receiver, there's a shot that he becomes, you know, devolves, his role devolves into something like you saw from those players last year. Uh, but I do think there's also a chance that if they draft someone like Devontae Smith, You'll see Smith kick into the slot and you'll see Slayton and Galladay on the outside and somebody like Shepard will be on the bench for those plays. So you'll kind of see him rotate in with Shepard at different times as well.
9: Yeah, that's that's why I'm a little bit against it, but I but I guess it'd be a good problem to have.
2: Worst case, right? Yeah, it is a good problem to have, especially like Nick Nick always talks about with the injury situation, how there you know there can be injuries that we we don't foresee or we don't account for. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Dom. Or joining me, I should say. All right, let's get Matt in here. And then we do have Brett, so we'll see how it is on time. We do have a few minutes left. Maybe we can get both of these guys in. How you doing, Matt? Good, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Dude, let me tell you this to start. Australia, I could not possibly be a bigger mm-hmm. fan of any country than Australia. I've said said it once, I've said it again. If I was going to live anywhere else than the United States, it would be Australia. I spent four months there in my early 20s during college. And it was some of the best best four months of my life, I would say.
10: Yeah man it's one of the most beautiful places I've been lucky enough to go great. to America a few times but um yeah nothing like Australia it's, it's beautiful. Where in
2: Australia are you based out of Matt?
10: Um I'm in Coffs Harbour New South Wales so I'm in between right in between Sydney and Brisbane right in the middle. Nice. Awesome. Those
2: yeah. are two places I, I studied in Sydney and then I got out to Brisbane a little bit as well.
10: Yeah, it's it's yeah right on the coast so right at the beach which is which is awesome but that's where everyone in Australia has to live right on the beach so
2: it's great. Can't beat it
10: that's it i want to say thanks first of all man i really appreciate all the all the content that you guys do um you and much um so much from it all the all 22s and stuff i don't really really any content in australia for nfl stuff so it's good to get any content at all and then yeah understanding it and listening to it's great so it's helped me get to the game a bit which is awesome um question i had as well like i understand that with the draft we have gone you know best player to look but if all things were equal, um and best player available met with need in the first ones, one, two, three, I guess what would you what would you guys, or what would you suggest is the is the positions of need that would be best to take? So like O line in one or you know, edge and two, receiver in three, or if those things did meet up, what, what would you suggest?
2: Yeah, it's actually a great question. Like in a perfect world if we had a a ten grade on every single position. Where would you go? So for me, right now, it would be Edge. If I could somehow get a Chase Young-type prospect for the Giants right now, I mean, I think it could transform their defense into becoming one of the two, three, four, maybe first best defense in the NFL. If you got a Chase Young lining up alongside Leonard Williams and running the two-man stunt game with him with that back-end coverage that they've already built and with Patrick Graham and with Blake Martinez, I mean, you're talking about, in my mind, one of the best defense in the NFL. So I'd start there. Number two for me, this might be a surprise to some, but it would be O tackle, uh, offensive tackle. I know I like Pert. I really like Pert, and there was actually just a picture today of him training where he did look like he put on a lot of good weight, a lot of—he added to that frame, which is a big thing for him. I mean, he needs to add to that frame. That's part of what his profile was coming out. Like, can he fill out that frame that looks like he has? But if you can get, you know, I don't know, a Trent Williams type, a Pene Sewell on your tackle spot with Andrew Thomas as maybe your second-best tackle in that scenario— I mean, you're just looking at a team that's so set up so well both in the run and in the pass game. So I would go offensive tackle two. And then after that, I mean, if you could somehow have this perfect scenario where you could find these 10 of 10 prospects, give me tight end. Because if I can get a Rob Gronkowski type, somebody who's a two-way tight end, who can block for me in line but also be such a threat in the passing game. And I'm talking about prime Gronk, not what we have now. He'd be my third one. So I'd go those as my top three.
10: I think I might have lost you there, man. Yeah, hope hopefully not, but perfect. Thanks for the, the answers, man. And again, appreciate all the content that you guys do. Cheers. Yeah, Matt, and
2: hopefully if if you did cut out, it looked like you cut out Wi-Fi wise. You'll you'll be able to hear this recording as well. But thanks for joining us, man. It was good to have you on from down under.
10: Cheers, man. Thanks.
2: All right, let's do one more. It's Brett, and then we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. What's going on, Brett? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, man. How's it going? Good. Good. First
11: time on the locker room map, so. uh nights nice to be on actually I just had a little bit of a different question to ask you personally if you can give us a rundown of where and what you will be doing on draft night
2: that's a good question so draft night's going to be crazy for me because uh at my actual job at cbs i've made the transition over to the fantasy side but they need a lot of help on draft night on the nfl side so i'm going to jump back there and be doing nfl coverage for them on draft night but i also have to a lot of these fantasy draft profiles that we've done, so I need to kind of be on top of those as well. So, I will be working from nonstop from when the draft starts until maybe two hours till after that for CBS. So, and then,
11: on the fantasy side of it through CBS, you work with like Dave
2: and and those yeah, guys. Or? Yeah, I'm the editor for all of those guys. Those are the talent, and I'm on the back end there as the behind the scenes editor for them. That's awesome. One other yeah, question. Yeah. So,
11: you're I think I saw in uh, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago uh the Giants games you're in section 329
2: I was back in the day I mean back I don't in the get day. a chance oh. to go to, I don't get a chance to go to games anymore because um because of my job but my my dad and my brother are there still rocking still rocking 329 330 area Oh, okay I
11: thought maybe this coming year
2: I can finally uh meet you yeah that'd be cool man I'm looking to meet every all the fans a big winner we were thinking maybe me and Nick will do some kind of meetup or something like that and if it is like a night game, I might be able to pull it off, like a Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, I have a chance at. Probably not Sunday night, but um, those would be the, the possibilities. I, I wouldn't be If I'm not working during the time, I have a chance to do it. Do you get a chance to go to any like Giants away games? So far, no. I mean, I, I was in the press box <laughs> for a few games before the COVID year, uh, just covering the team back when I was on the NFL, and we wanted some, some boots on the ground and some coverage from there. So I was at some home games from the press box, but so far, no away games. Okay,
11: last question to close it out.
2: Yeah. Who's your ideal pick for the New York Giants uh,
11: come draft night, their first pick, number 11?
2: I'm going to go with Pene Sewell because I think there's actually this weird chance that Sewell might be on the board at 11. If a team falls in love with Slater and just based on how the board shakes out, with so many teams, I think going to be interested at quarterback. Yeah. I think the quarterback
11: so, position. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The quarterback positions jumping up. Yes, definitely.
2: Exactly. So I think there's a chance that only one of the tackles will go before 11. And if that's the case, and let's say it's Slater, some team loves Slater. And I think there's reason to believe, like it's possible a team would want Slater over Sewell, because I think Slater is a little bit of a different prospect. I think Sewell's more of an upside play, but Slater to me, it's just like it, with the foot with feet like that, you just can't fail in my mind. Um, so, Sewell, I'll, I'll give, I'll give Penne Sewell. He would be my ideal candidate at 11. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, man. I, it, was, it was fun talking to you. Thanks for joining. Have a good one. Thanks. Yeah, you too, man. All right, well, I'm actually going to squeeze one more in here. Stevie Bob, what's going on, man? You there, Stevie Bob? Stevie Bob, going once. Stevie Bob, going twice. This reminds me of an auction draft. Actually, you're not allowed to call them that anymore. But a fantasy football salary cap draft, where it's going once, going twice. And then somebody says, like, oh, it was sold. But somebody's, no, I tried to get it in. I said something. And the auctioneer doesn't hear Leads to a whole draft day fight. Uh, that's always fun. It looks like, Stevie Bob, are you there, man? Just saw you hit the mute and then turn it off. I don't know. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're not. Stevie Bob, sorry. We're going to cut it off there and end the show on that note. But, you know, if you want to hit us up. Find us on Twitter. Ask us a question there. We're probably doing a mailbag podcast coming up soon, definitely before the draft. So, and otherwise, everyone else, thanks for tuning in. Had a lot of fun Banter tonight. I've heard from a lot of you. So, that was awesome. And we'll be back doing this next week. So, talk to you guys soon.